I'm Hera. And I'm Aisha. And we are the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice, or SMCs. Like you, as SMCs, we decided to become mothers knowing we'd be the sole care provider and parent of our children, at least at the outset. And the Mocha is for Black. We discuss being SMCs from an intentionally Black lens. You'll connect with all the interesting and fun things about this non-traditional path. Like how you decide which sperm to use, the cold, hard truth of fertility, your reality of dating as a single mother who doesn't have a co-parent to rely on for occasional childcare, and what it's actually like to parent as an SMC. This is the Mocha Single Mothers by Choice podcast. So today we are doing a part two of our AMA because we had so many questions to get to, and we are going to try to dig a little deeper this time and answer some of the really tricky questions that come up in our space with regards to SMCing. And so this first one, actually, I like a lot because I think we can all kind of relate to this when we tell our friends that we are taking this non-traditional path. And so the question is, what do I tell my girlfriends who suddenly want to try to set, set me up with their random guy friends or some some guy that they met on the street that they think looks good after I told them that I was becoming an SMC. And so for me, <laughs> I say, I would always say like, girl, you have all the time in the world to find a life partner, but you have limited time to make a baby. And so it's also interesting that these friends are perfectly happy to take the risk with your fertility because their biological clock is not ticking away. So how I would explain to them is I would say, tell them you would be more than happy to entertain the blind dates in a couple of years after you've had your baby and your boobs stop leaking. But right now you wish that they had maybe said something several years ago when you were not so pressed. What about you, Aisha? Well, I love, I love the fact, like, not only are they taking your fertility into their hands, they don't care about your safety. They don't care about, you know, yeah. his character. They're just like, here's a stranger that I think looks available. Have at it. <laughs> but I think I would tell them I appreciate the offer, but I'm putting dating on hold for now. And I'm going to focus on becoming a mom. You know, this is what I want for my, for my life. Can you support that goal? Right. Because people mm -hmm. think that they're helping they think that they know what you want. And sometimes you have to make it clear to them. I don't want what you think I want for myself. This is what I want, right? Nice, clear mm -hmm. boundary. Can you support me on that? Yeah, and I also that, think it's interesting that they like ask from a place of like thinking they have to save you from SMCing, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't need to be saved. I chose this. Well, and I think the, the way that I approach it makes it clear what you want. Now, why are we continuing this conversation if I made it clear what I want? Because now it's focused on what you want. And that's not what this conversation is about. That's not what being an SNC is about, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Um, number two. So I'm having trouble getting pregnant and I see all of my friends popping out babies. I'm having a really hard time being happy for them. How should I handle the fact that I want to be happy for them, but I can't help being frustrated about my own situation? Yeah, this one I see a lot, actually, in not just our space, but in the larger SMC space. And I think it's really hard. A lot of people, you know, this is a journey and this is a marathon and not a sprint. And it could take you some time to get pregnant. And that can be very frustrating. I will say, though, that you have to think about 
you have to try to separate how you're feeling from being happy for your friend. And I see this also sometimes during weddings, like people will lose their minds during a wedding. And I'm like, we need to be happy for the bride and groom and take your personal feelings about your own personal relationship situation out of this. Mm -hmm. And so I say the same for when you see people having babies understand that if you can't bring yourself to be happy for them, when it comes time for you to have your baby, you know, you're going to want, you're going to want people to be happy for you, just like you were happy for them. So I just, I think you should, you know, definitely honor your feelings. And if you can't rally, then don't go to the baby shower, but I would encourage people to rally. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I say honor your feelings because it <laughs> you go into these situations faking the funk and you, it reveals itself in unexpected and unintended ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will, other people's lives are not a reality show, right? So what you see is just a crack into what their entire lives is about. So making the assumption that someone got pregnant easily, making the assumption that, oh, why are they getting married and I'm not, that should be me, is a mm-hmm. real deep assumption to make because we all know that everything is not what it seems. Now, that being said, own your feelings and decide what boundaries you need to put in place. So if it is too triggering to go to a baby shower or have these conversations early in the pregnancy, buy yourself some time. There are ways that you can gracefully have these conversations. You can say, you know, I've got this huge project at work. I'm so happy for you. And then send them a gift package. This is totally a situation where you could throw money at it if you have it. Send them body bars, you know, to kind of buy some time to get through this fictional project, which is just buying yourself some grace and space. Also, I've been in this situation. I've been the adult woman pining, you know, for kids and family members popping out babies, having baby showers, getting abortions, having more babies, and then, you know, having to sit on the sidelines and be like, this, this is not right. This is not fair. Mm-hmm. And so at some point you do hit a breaking point where you have to say this baby shower, I can't go to this mm-hmm. wedding reception. I can't really support. And so just trying to think of graceful ways. So maybe you, you do send the gift. Maybe you go to the baby shower, but you have something booked after right, right during that time. So you legitimately have a graceful exit. Like I can only spend 45 minutes here and I just, you know, I want to see you open your gifts and then I'm going to go. What time do you think you'll be opening gifts? Right. And then you're there, you put in face and then you're out. It is a real precarious situation because there are so many emotions involved on all parts and you want to make sure that you navigate that with some care. Yeah, definitely. I would also say it's a really dangerous game to play comparisons with your friends on any level in your life. I think people really need to start living their own lives and understanding that it's not apples to apples. And so anything like, you know, your friend buys a house, like be happy for them, right? Like this is a huge moment in your friend's life. And you don't want to be that friend who's only around when your friend's going through hard times. And I know those people and like, nobody wants to be friends with those people, right? You want to be friends with somebody who is going to rally in the hard times, but then also be super happy for you when you're going through a good situation, even if they're not at the moment. Right. So I, I just think people should really try to like, you know, honor your feelings for sure. But then also understand that to be a friend, sometimes you have to rally and put on a smile and just try to be happy for your friend. Okay. Aisha, what do you say to women who look at this path as a last option for broken and downtrodden women? (laughs) So on an off day, I will say you don't have to choose this path. 
period. Right. But when I'm in my right mind and I've had time to kind of process the root of what they're feeling again at the end of this life, you know, you want to be proud of the choices that you've made. Right. And so this is a choice. It's not a choice for the broken. It's not a choice for the downtrodden. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, this is a path. This is a journey, you know, toward joy and the manifestation of all the love that you wanted to see in your life. And because life didn't happen in a specific order for you, that doesn't mean that you have to sidestep motherhood. Like, most of the most of the people who come to this path have wanted to be mothers for a really long time, have wanted to parent children for a really long time. Eventually you learn, you know, your kids will find you. Um, and so it's not this is a, a path where you should feel joy, you should feel empowered. Um, and it's not a path for everyone. So choose wisely. Yeah. I think a lot of women will come to this space making lots of assumptions about how everyone got here. And I think this is one of those things where um, I think when you first come into an SMC space, it's really nice to sit back and just start listening and don't make any assumptions about why people chose this path, when people chose this path, how people are choosing this path. I think that what you will find the longer that you stay in these spaces is that many of us just don't want to co-parent, right? And it has nothing to do with our lack of love for you know, men or women um, or wanting to eventually have a partner. We just don't want to co-parent with one. And I think that is a very valid family structure that we all should start honoring and supporting and, and not making assumptions that people are doing this as a last resort, because like Aisha said, you don't have to go this path, you know, um, adoption is a possibility and you don't have to worry about your biological clock and you could wait for a partner if that's, you know, if that's really what you're looking for. And I think that if you are in it for that, you will find someone. I think it just depends on whether or not that's something you're willing to wait for. Yeah. I don't feel, I don't feel broken or downtrodden at all. I'm so thankful that this is an option for me because at the point that I was at my most fertile, I wasn't interested in co-parenting with anyone. So had this not been an option, I probably either wouldn't have had kids or would have been much older when I had them because I just, that's not what I wanted for my family. And trust and believe the space is full of attractive women who are smart women. And very successful because sperm is expensive. <laughs> right, right. And it's like, if you, if you want to do this with a partner, there's a plethora of options there. Are they the right partner? Are they right parenting material? I don't know. That's up to you. That's the risk you take. You know, yeah. can we find a partner for dating? We absolutely can find a partner for dating, you know, a lot of us have carved out this time specifically and put dating on hold so that we can focus on the mothering piece. We want it to be mothers outside mm -hmm. of everything else, careers, dating, marriage. We want it to parent children. And I think you will find also the older you get, you know, for me, I am about to be 41 in October. And you know, when you're getting back into the dating field, most people who are this age already have kids and probably don't want more. And so if you want your kids, 
you know, and you still, and you, and you also want to meet someone, you may find lots of men who are done and they're fine with you having your own kids. They just don't want to parent more. And so I think that's definitely something that a lot of people are starting to factor in just, you know, and, and also recognizing that there are challenges for sure being a single mother by choice, but I am so thankful that I don't have some of the drama that comes with co-parenting after a divorce or a breakup because yeah, I might have to find a sitter to go out on a date, but I'm not fighting with somebody else about what school to send my kid to, or, you know, how much time my partner or ex-partner is spending with the child and, and child support and all that other drama that comes with it. So I don't, I don't know. I think there's a lot of situations that many people would find worse than being an SMC. And at the end of the day, best believe the peace of my household starts and ends with me. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) This next question. Um, So this next question came up during um, one of our Wine Wednesdays, and we thought it was a really good one. And probably a a question that a lot of working moms have um, in general. So how are you going about exposing your children to different things, different activities, careers, skills, and et cetera, things that spark their interests? So I remember when I was a kid, I just felt like being a doctor or a lawyer was like the only option. Like everybody was like, oh yeah, you go to college and then you like become a doctor or a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Neither of which I really saw myself doing. Definitely not a doctor because I can't handle needles or blood. So I would have been the person that would like pass out. Right. So I was like, that's not an option. And I was also not particularly great at science. So I'm like, hmm. Uh, So I also think, I think it's really important when you're talking about careers. I actually... I'm very intentional about not asking my kids what they want to be when they grow up. Cause I actually really don't like when adults do this mm-hmm. because I think it's, it's like, okay, it's not cute or funny, whatever they say right now, because they have no idea. And I also don't like putting that kind of pressure on them. Like they don't have to choose at age five, what they want to be when they grow up. Right. Mm-hmm. But I do think that uh, what I like to do with my kids is that when we just go out into the community, we talk about the different types of things people do. Like we'll go to the vet and we'll be like, wow, there's somebody who works on animals or, you know, we're going to the zoo and like, they've got this think tank at the zoo where scientists will like play with the monkeys and like teach them things. And that's an actual career. And, um, you know, there's librarians and there's, there's just all sorts of things you can get into. And recently my daughter said, I told her that when she turns 10, we will go anywhere in the world that she wants for her birthday. And I was like, but you need to choose wisely. And you have two more years to choose where we're going. And I don't want any like, you know, ridiculousness. And so yesterday in the car, she was like, I think we should go to Antarctica. And I was like, okay, let's just unpack this for a second. I hate the cold. You hate the cold and you are way too bougie to be camping out on some ice cube. Right. So I don't know if that's a real good idea. However, if you really want to be a scientist, you could probably go there and work on testing ice or being an oceanographer and all sorts of things. So we, uh, we talked about that and she was like, "Hmm, that's a career profession that maybe I'll consider. However, I don't like the cold. And so just having conversations with your kids like that and also telling them about what you do and, If there's a take your kid to work day, take them with you. And if your friends have take your kid to work day and maybe they don't have kids or they, their kid is too little, be like, can you take my kid to work with you? Uh, I think it's, it's great to do stuff like that and just make sure that you're talking to them about the different things that people in your life are doing. How about you, Aisha? 
So two things from what you said. I also thought I was going to be a doctor and I still, I love biology. I love science to this day. I graduated with um, a degree in um, biology with a chemistry minor. So I love the sciences and I still look at it, you know, all of the nature shows or whatever. So I love it. I did not become a doctor, (laughs) Uh, but I got exposed to just a bunch of different options. Um, And I think by having certain adults in your life, you know, kind of, you know, help to broaden the scope for you. Um, Teachers, college professors or what have you can be a real help when you get to that point. Antarctica is on my list. And I will tell you, they probably don't have a lot of cruise lines, even they're smaller Mm -hmm. cruise lines that go to Antarctica, um, but they're not kid friendly that like they're really business of, you know, getting you there and doing it. So that's yeah. why I was just like, mm, I, sure want to go. I want to go one day. So when y'all decide, if yeah. cool, and when I'm an old lady and Stella's like, you know, come on, I'm gonna pop my arthritis pills <laughs> and put on a warm down jacket and I'm down for the trip. Uh, anyway, so some of the things that I did, like, you know, when you're becoming an SMC, you're like Michelle Obama, you're becoming right. It is <laughs> right? The whole nine months leading up, the trying to conceive, it is all a journey. So you have time to kind of think about how you want to parent, the type of parent you want to be and the things you want to expose your kids to. Um, So for me, you know, it's about exposure. And so what activities are there in your community, in your neighborhood? And there are probably meetup groups, there are community center, there's there are YMCAs, there are nature-based hikes, Girl Scouts, Cub Scouts, whatever. All of these different types of organizations are meant to just kind of expose your kids to the variety of things that they can do. Like we all know swimming, ballet, dancing, you know, the different sports and also the wealth of different things. And like Hera said, you know, take them to museums, take them to the library. Key thing here is talk to your kids. Like you will be amazed at the things that they pick up through osmosis. Like my daughter, you know, she has come to my job. She she knows what my friends do. Leverage the different social circles that you have. You know, I have friends who are in media and marketing, senior VPs, you know, physical therapists, you know, and so have your kids talk with them, build those relationships that if they get a broad range of different ideas point Mm -hmm. out things on your commute if you commute with your kid like my daughter was like she wanted to be we we saw buildings being built from the ground up and she's just like oh mommy I want to build buildings I want to make things and I'm just like you can definitely be an engineer you can be an architect you can design buildings and skyscrapers Mm -hmm. just spark their interest in things my daughter's going to build me a house we talk about this house on our way to work. She's like, mommy, you know, what do you want the backyard to look like? What do you want your bedroom to look like? And so just feed into the things that they're interested in. My daughter's a budding artist, you know, so on the architecture side, you can design landscapes and buildings and, you know, hardscapes, you know, whatever it is that they want to do, elevate it right for them. Mm -hmm. So they, they are at the highest peak for that thing. And if they fall somewhere in between, that's awesome. But if they get to the peak of what they love to do, my job is done. So all of these different opportunities to expose them. But key thing is talk to your kids, watch your kids, observe Mm -hmm. the things interested in and give them more of that as well as exposing them to other things just so that they have a clear picture of what the possibilities are. Yeah. And I also think it's really important not to project 
Um, I think sometimes parents, you know, if a kid is like, Hey, you know, I want to be an artist when I grow up and like, you know, as a parent, you're like, "Mm, that's not going to pay the bills. Um, but you know, try, try not to be like, why would you want to do that? So like when my daughter said that, I was like, that's great. Like you're a great artist. That would probably be a really good thing to get into. Right. So I just, yeah, you have to kind of check your own feelings is you don't want your kids growing up thinking that they have limits based on what is going to make you happy because, you know, I would, I would probably not be extremely thrilled if my child was like, I want to be a police officer, but I would try to rally and I'd be like, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> I am super happy. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget that you can leverage the SNC community. We have a broad range of careers, um, different socioeconomic levels represented. When, when I saw that my daughter was a budding artist, I reached out to one of the SNCs that is an artist. And I'm like, hey, can you show me some kids books that, you know, will stoke this, any programming that will, you know, further inspire, you know. And then last thing I want to leave off with is parent the kid in front of you right? Because there's nothing more harmful than trying to fit a square peg in a round hole because you set out that my kid is going to be this. Let them be who they are and what they're going to be. You will be the much, you will have a much richer bond with your kid because of it. Totally. All right. So next question. My clinic told me I'm required to have a session with a counselor and I feel some kind of way about this. What are your thoughts about the requirement and did you do it? Um, I think it's an excellent requirement. For those of you who don't know, most clinics, many clinics will require if you're using third-party gametes, whether it's an egg, sperm, embryo, a surrogate, that you sit down and you talk with a counselor just to make sure that you understand the implications and it's space to allow you to think through what you might tell your child. Uh, I did do the counseling session and it was great. It was awesome. Um, I got to talk through what some of my fears were going through this path, some problematic family members that I knew would come up, how I might want to handle it. I got some resources and articles and texts on how to have conversations with your kid. I think that there are a lot of people who come to this path with um, unaddressed issues, whether it's regarding the, you know, relationships, whether it's regarding um, disappointment for having to choose this path, whether it's regarding, you know, fears, how do I tell my parents and things like that. So I think that there's a lot that you can get out. That session is for you. And to sidestep it means that you are setting yourself up and you're ill-prepared possibly to have some of the conversations that are coming down the pike for you. How about you? Yeah, I think it can sometimes feel, I, I think it it's really hard to be told, well, you can't do this until you talk to someone, which I think is sort of a uh, the framing that often goes through many of our heads. Like, you know, why am I having to do this? Why do I have to check this box before I can do this? I will say I I didn't have a great experience with the counselor that that I was first told to go to. And I think part of my trouble was that I was already in therapy because I had just lost my son not too much before I started on this journey. And I felt that this particular person was really judgmental about that. And so what I ended up doing is I leveraged the, the therapist that I was working with in that situation. And I connected the two of them so that I didn't have to 
rehash or do the work or convince this person that I wasn't okay. Uh, I think my situation may be a little bit unique in that, but I will say that you don't necessarily have to go to the person that they're recommending. You can also go to your own independent person. So for example, if they give you a list of white people and you're like, I don't really want to talk about my fertility with some random white therapist that is going to sign off on this. Mm -hmm. It is okay for you to seek an independent counselor and talk to your clinic about this and say, Hey, listen, I have this extra person that I found. Would it be okay if I discussed this path with them and had them sign off on it? And I would say 9.9 times out of 10, they're going to be like, that's fine. Because really, like Aisha said, this is really for you to be able to talk to a professional about things like, how are you going to explain this to your children? And you know, what, how are you leveraging your community and things like that, that you, you, that is good to talk to someone else about. Right. And I know a lot of us have really close family and friends, but they can't necessarily always do the job that a therapist can do from a unbiased perspective. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And I will, I will um, piggyback on what um, Harris said. I used a therapist for my EAP. And uh, little secret, I would definitely leverage the race card because it, it it does come into play. Like, you know, sometimes I just want a black person to sit down mm-hmm. and talk. To. And if their entire roster of therapists that are charging mm-hmm. 250 to $300 a session are white people mm-hmm. who don't take insurance. Right. In this day and age, no, you're about to pay them five figures. I want to be able to choose the person that I talk to. So, all right, last question. Um, We get this one a lot. How do you deal with unsolicited advice from family, friends, and strangers? Um, I will tell you, I tend to walk around when I have my kids with resting bitch face. I'm not here for the play play. Um, And so for strangers, I rarely get Um, questions or assumptions from strangers other than what they would infer and microaggress against Black women. But for family and friends, you know, they will usually lead the conversation with, I wouldn't want to do that. I'm not sure. Like, oh, that's so sad for you. And my clipped response is, thank you. Luckily, it's my life and not yours, right? These are decisions for me and not you. So what you might not be able to handle, I definitely can handle. And we're different people. And then it shuts down the conversation. I think what's interesting is when I first told people about my being an SMC, I had a lot of friends and some family too that thought that I was asking for their opinion. And so for me, I cut off the unsolicited advice when I was like, this is me telling you and I'm actually not looking for your opinion on it. Right. Not asking. And uh, that that cut off. And, and I think looking back on that time, I'm not friends with some of those people who had early unhelpful advice for me. One of them actually said, why don't you go to a bar and get knocked up? It's cheaper. And I was like, you and I clearly do not see things the same way. And we can't be friends. With regards to strangers giving me unsolicited advice. I mean, yeah, some people will give you unsolicited parenting advice where I just step past it. Cause I'm like, okay, I don't even know you. And I didn't ask, right. but with regards to being an SMC, it's interesting because I would say many people who are my acquaintances or like, you know, for example, work acquaintances, or even people at my daughter's school, 
they don't know I'm an SMC Mm -hmm. because I don't wear it on my shoulder. I mean, yeah, it's a big part of my life in the sense that I don't hide from it either, obviously, because I talk about it um, very openly. And if someone were to ask me about it, I wouldn't like, you know, be like, what, Uh, how do you, how do you know I'm an SMC? I mean, I would freely talk to them about it, but it's also not something that I really disclose on a regular basis. I might say I'm a single mom, but I don't really, with most people, I don't, feel the need to go deeper because most people really have no, I just, it, the conversation doesn't get beyond surface level and it's none of their business. Keep in mind that also people tend to speak from a real self-centered perspective. And so they're speaking to what their needs are and not necessarily seeing you or your needs. Um, And then to the people who are like, why don't you just go to a bar and get knocked up? Mm -hmm. Do you not know how babies are made? Do you not know the risk that you're exposing your body to from a health STI and STD perspective? I would hate Mm -hmm. to have to also carry um, an HIV status with me along with my pregnancy. So let me caution. I also think that, you know, I think this particular person said it in a flippant way of like, she was, she was not feeling right about there not being a father in the picture because of her own personal history and things that she was projecting. Mm -hmm. And So I think that was just her flippant way to be like, well, you may as well do this. And it's like, yeah, that's not really the same. And so I saw it from a place of ignorance and just personal hurt just because she was going through her own drama. And I was like, I can't, um, you know, kind of going back to our earlier conversation about being happy and rallying for your friends. I was like, I can't deal with somebody who's just so negative because I'm about to go through a pregnancy and it's not good to be in a bad place and be completely surrounded by negative people. So Yep. She and I are no longer friends. All right. Thank you everyone for joining us again for another week of AMAs. And thank you, Aisha. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you, Hera. Well, Pod, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like what you heard, share us with your girlfriends. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So tell us what you thought of this episode on social media. On Facebook, we are at Mocha SMC Podcast. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Mocha SMC. You can find additional information on the topics from the podcast at our website at mochasmc.com. Till next time, pod. Bye now.